introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Alright, alright, we are back with another episode of the Pocket Protectors. My name is Jason Brown. I will be your host for the evening, joined once again by two of the brightest minds on Vikings Twitter, Doctors. But we're going to start with Dr. Eric Eager. My man, how you doing? How you been? How are things? I mean, I'm good, man. I, I've watched like enough tape now that I think I'm ready for the real, I'm ready for the season to start. Um, I know it's only like a couple weeks away, but I'm it's re- I'm really inching towards the season right now. I mean, have you built a CFL model yet, or, or are we not that desperate? Well, look, I I will, I, I may or may not bet the Arena League. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Like I can probably tell you that the Albany Empire are the best team in the Arena League. So. Man. Okay. Yeah. The season yeah. needs to get here soon. The season needs to get here. <laughs> like real I, soon. Yeah. The, there, there's only so much WNBA and arena league slash CFL that can sustain a man. <laughs> that is a very good point. Nick, my man, how's it going? And any good mentors in, uh, in, in parenting and potty training? <laughs> no, not this weekend. We tried <laughs> potty training my daughter. Last weekend did not go so well. Uh, I think we jumped the gun early. Now this, we went down to farm, did like some berry picking, went to the community pool. I just finished Lord of the Rings. I've been rereading it like a half hour ago. So that and, might uh, be the most wholesome weekend ever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I thought I, I thought I, you know, had a good, a, a good chill weekend. That might be the most wholesome weekend of all time. Yeah, Nick. very happily ever after. Yeah, who knew Nick Olson was everyone's favorite sitcom dad? <laughs> <laughs> what you need to do is, like, if you're going to be Danny Tanner on the field, you also need to be Danny Tanner off the field, which, right. if anybody has seen his stand-up, it is unreal. It's a, it's a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. A little I, uncomfortable. I once, went to a, I once went to a stand-up with my friend, and my friend was so was drunk and yelling pretty loudly that uh, Bob Saget like called him out and was like, would you please shut up so I can get to my jokes? So <laughs> that, that friend's name yeah. was, was Eric. <laughs> 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 well, all right, gentlemen, uh, let us jump right into it. So we've made it through half of the season. I think at this point, you both have the Vikings at five and three, but uh, this is the part of the season where, uh, where things get a little real. For the uh, for the Minnesota Vikings, as we uh, enter a stretch of, of of pretty difficult games here, so you know, Eric, I think anyone who's followed any of your work knows that uh, you know, while you are a Vikings fan, you also have a a very soft spot in your heart for the Kansas City Chiefs. I feel like it's only right that you get first crack at breaking down the analysis for us here. What is going to happen in this matchup where the Vikings travel to Arrowhead Stadium? to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I, I put this at about a seven-point spread. So, you know, Kansas City is a decided favorite in this one. 
over under, or this is the biggest over under for any Vikes games. It's a, a hair over 50. Um, and I just see it as one of those things where when uh, unstoppable force meets a movable object, generally speaking in the NFL, unstoppable force wins. And so you have Andy Reid, his sort of brilliant offensive mind, his adaptability uh, to go along with the best quarterback probably in the NFL and for the next decade or so going up against Mike Zimmer and his defense. Even if that defense is healthy, I think Kansas City really, you know, do, you know, I, I can sort of see this happening the way it happened in Los Angeles on that Thursday night last year in week four. I just sort of see Kansas City being probably too good here. The Chiefs last season's Achilles heel was their defense. A lot of people gave them flack because they couldn't stop the run. Uh, they couldn't cover anybody. Uh, the the former actually was mitigated a lot because Kansas City was ahead so much due to their great offense. Um, but their, their secondary was a real concern. So they go out and get Tyron Matthew. They draft Juan Thornhill in the second round. Uh, and so while I still am a little worried about their cornerback situation, um, I, I think that the Chiefs are a decided favorite in this one. So I have to go with them. Okay. And so, you know, with the, the, the Chiefs and the offense they're bringing to the table, when you look at the matchups from a PFF standpoint, like where are the places that you would expect the Chiefs to give the Vikings the, the most trouble defensively? Uh the Chiefs, the most trouble. So uh, the Kansas City offense. I mean, they're the issue with them is they're just too faster than the Vikings. So Travis Kelsey is probably the most athletic tight end in the NFL. Um, you know, the Vikings have struggled often with athletic tight ends, even under Zimmer. And then the Tyreek Hill, Michael Hardman combination of you know small, fast receivers. Uh, I think will really give the Vikings corners some fits because they're more of the bigger uh, physical variety. And, and you know, we've seen Hill. Just absolutely, you know, torch even the really good corners. And like I remember Saturday night football game in 2017 where he just roasted Casey Hayward uh, like he was, you know, tied to a post. So, you know, imagine Troy Williamson with hands uh, and Tyreek Hill is just a little faster than Williamson. Um, so and then Hardman's kind of the same guy, second round pick out of Georgia this year. And then, the, you know, then they have Sammy Watkins, who's another guy great after the catch. A uh, guy that caught a, a game winning touchdown from Kyle Orton against the Vikings in 2014. Uh, as I believe a rookie. Um, so they're just so deep and, and I haven't gotten down to the running back. Who's I think a pretty good player matchup out of the backfield for them. So offensively they just have so much. And so much like the Rams, I think it's going to be really hard for the Vikings to match up with them just because they have too many options. I think defensively the, the, the thing is, is, you know, Riley reef against Frank Clark is probably going to be a mismatch and, even though, you know, the, the better offenses in the NFL can really take advantage of the Vikings, sorry, really take advantage of the Chiefs by throwing quickly, uh, you know, up until this point, the Vikings offense has not been all that pliable uh, in terms of taking great pass rushes and mitigating them by throwing quickly. So to me, that's the biggest mismatch on that other side of the ball. Okay, Nick. So, uh you know, Eric's laid out his case here. I guess when you look at things, do you see things at all any differently? Do you see uh, any cracks in this armor that the Vikings might be able to exploit to uh, to pull off this big upset? Yeah, I think the Chiefs are, you know, last year they were the NFL's best offense um, and they lapped everybody at it. Um, they were number one in DVOA by uh, like a standard deviation um, mm -hmm. and the offensive DVOA. Like they were just that good. And that's, you know, I think Andy Reid is – there are a lot of good offensive play callers in the league. I think he's the best. Um, and in addition to having, you know, a ton of weapons, Kelsey, 
probably the best tight end at this point now that Gronk's gone. Um, Tyree Kill, who's probably a top 10 receiver, and you know everybody knows he's fast, but he's a really good route runner, so he can beat you underneath too. It's not just like go routes with him. Um, and everyone else they've got. And the other thing, like Andy Reid just like, he makes backup guys and other people like really deadly. Um, his screen game is so hard to to, to beat. Um, he'll just eat up huge chunk yardage with these tiny little screens that are just so well designed and executed. So that's, um, you know, you never know when they, maybe they'll have an off date, but that offense is, is just primed and ring. And then of course the, none of this even mentions, you know, the reigning MVP young ascending MVP and ascending Patrick Mahomes. So um, that's a lot on, on their hands on, on the defensive side. Um, there was just so much change. Um, you know, they lost both edge guys, Steve Ford and, and Justin Houston, and brought in Frank Clark, maybe overpaid for Frank Clark, but he's still one of the best, I think, 4-3 DE types. Um, brought in Alex Okafor, mm-hmm. um, Tyron Matthew, uh, um, I think Kareem Jackson. So that's a lot of new firepower on the defensive side. And they got rid of um, uh, Bob Sutton, replaced him with Spagnuolo, um, who was last, we last saw him with the Giants, who had uh, one great season with him and two underwhelming ones so we'll see how that goes but they definitely have the talent i think on defense to to be a problem um but uh and especially given that this is in kansas city you know I, i'm not going to say n- no surprises could happen because they happen all the time in the nfl but yeah the Chiefs should be heavy favorites the the chiefs outside corners are brashad breeland and Traverius ward Traverius ward undrafted by dallas traded to kansas city he eventually started for them late in the season but that's really my concern is if you look at Minnesota, the way that they can win this game is by basically taking advantage of the Chiefs secondary. Um, they, the Chiefs every single season, I, lo- I love that team to death, but that, that team every single season does the exact same thing at corner, which is basically bet on guys that have almost no pedigree. So two years ago, it was Terrence Mitchell. Last year, it was David Amerson, who didn't even make it out of camp, and then they had to go with Orlando Skandrick until Ward came in. So if you're the if you're a Vikings fan, and you're looking for a way in which this game could turn for you. It's Thielen and Diggs versus the Kansas City secondary. So, um, but they you know they're pretty good up the middle in the secondary. Kendall Fuller, who was in the Alex Smith trade, he's a great slot guy, and the two safeties that they got Matthew and Thornhill are solid. It's just on the outside where the Vikings uh, do have a, a mismatch that they can have. Andy Reid, the thing about him that's great, uh, as you talk about Nick, Alex Smith, who I have a ton of respect for because he brought the Chiefs back to respectability. Alex Smith was 50 and 26 as the starter for Kansas City in five years. And and I and I know quarterback wins are not, a, you know, quarterback wins are an offensive stat, you know, and an offensive coach stat and all that kind of stuff. But Alex, we'd all look at Alex Smith and think, you know, he's probably not anywhere near as good as Cousins as a talent guy. But he won almost two-thirds of his games. And actually, if you look at more like decisive wins, the Chiefs were third behind Seattle and New England during that stretch, 2013 to 2017, in winning percentage of games won by more than eight points. So when 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 Alex Smith was the quarterback for Kansas City, Andy Reid got out ahead of a lot of teams. And I think that oftentimes, you know, we think about quarterbacks in the clutch when in reality – the repeatable thing is to blow teams out or get blown out if you're bad. So that, you know, I just think, you know, again, another reason to like Kansas city here is just like that coach is pretty amazing. Yeah. So 
you know, I'm 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 gonna try to bring it back to just like a, a glimmer of hope here because I think you know Kansas City they had a a very potent offense and so slowing them down is gonna be a problem. But as you said, uh, our wide receivers should be should have the advantage in pretty much every matchup they have against those, those corners for for Kansas City. But as you also said, our line may have a, a problem holding up against that pass rush. So. What, I guess, Nick, and I'll start with you here, what would be the best way for us to try to exploit those corners given the the limitations we likely will have versus that pass rush that we'll be facing? Yeah, well, we, we've, we've seen, I think it was um, Pat Shermer in 2017 versus, I want to say, the Falcons, where they just um, they kept abusing uh, the flats over and over um, and using these combination routes towards the fly to towards the sideline like floods and other things where you would sort of stretch the the safety up and then just leave a lot of green ahead of the the running back or maybe it was the tight end running to the flat and just sort of um just keep attacking that spot in the field and um you know if uh if you're smart about it that's one way to do it um but you know you have to make sure that they don't see that coming and they don't just sort of uh match coverage so that you know you're stuck you know, throwing two yard passes that don't go, don't end up going for any additional yak. So um, that's one way you can do it. Uh, you, you know, we did see Frank Clark versus Riley Reef last year, and it wasn't as bad as you think. Um, and the Chiefs had a phenomenal pass rush last year, too. Um, so, you know, uh, in, in the great debate between pass rush and coverage, I feel like the Chiefs are a pretty good case study in why coverage is king. Um, but um, yeah, we're, if we just sort of do our, uh, North Turner style long deep dropbacks. That's going to be a problem against against everybody they have up front. And is this a potential a, a game? Like how, uh, Eric? Let me know. How is Kansas City uh, against the run? Is this a potential game where you know you could see the Vikings maybe trying to take the air out of the ball, get Dalvin Cook going, uh, potentially try to exploit the uh, the the Chiefs and, and and slow down that offense, keep them off the field as you often hear. And maybe see you know Dalvin have a big game, or Dalvin matched up versus their linebackers as an X factor in this game to kind of uh, you know help get the offense going and maybe slow things down for the Chiefs at, for, from the Chiefs' perspective. I mean that's a great question, right? Because we don't know really with the new defensive coordinator. I do remember the last Chiefs game that I went to in person was Kansas City against Pittsburgh in the AFC divisional round, and Kansas City's defense was weak back then. And Bob Sutton's approach, which I actually really liked, you know, people soured on Bob Sutton. I understand why. But his approach was one I really liked, which was they played dime defense basically the entire game. Um, and they had Daniel Sorensen, who's a free safety, playing linebacker in that game with Romique Wilson, Derek, Derek Johnson, who's out. And Le'Veon Bell, the, the narrative was that Le'Veon Bell rushed for 170 yards. He did it on set on 30 carries, right, which is a little over five, but not six yards of carry. Meanwhile, they they kept, kept Ben Roethlisberger to 31 pass attempts for 224 yards. So in a game where you're playing a high, high, high end offense like that, you know, I'd rather let I'd rather let the other team run for fewer yards. And granted, the Chiefs lost, but they only gave up 18 points in that game. That to me was like quintessential Bob Sutton. Let the other team run. Don't expose your corners to Antonio Brown. In this case, it would be Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. I'm not sure Spagnolo feels the same way, and I know that he, you know the Chiefs up you know, in their Brett Veach and the people upstairs really wanted to make them a tougher defense. 
So maybe that means they sell out more for the run, which may mean more opportunity for the Vikings to throw the football. I think if you're a Vikes fan, that's really what you want. But if they sort of buy a little bit from Sutton and say, okay, we're going to play a lot of defensive backs and let you run on us, I think the Vikings would be so almost suckered into doing it. I know we absolutely would do that. It would be very toughness, happy. man. Toughness matters more than winning. I heard. I mean, but I mean, Kansas City you lost win a game, but aren't tough. Did you really win? I mean, not really. No, no. You tricked them. You tricked them into winning, so that doesn't right, really count. It's cheap. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd really like for Minnesota to get a cheap playoff victory one of these times. By the way, and the Minneapolis miracle doesn't count because the Vikings basically gave the game to the Saints. So, yeah. Boy, that that was just that was an unexpected rant coming in there about the Minneapolis miracle. I'm gonna move on. Minneap- from that people game. people act like the Vikings shouldn't have won the Minneapolis miracle game when in reality the Vikings were up three scores and gave the ball game back to the Saints, right? So like the Vikings should have ran away with Vikings were minus five. They should have covered that by a touchdown. Instead, true. they 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 had pity on New Orleans and frankly just like got them at the end. <laughs> it hurt New Orleans all the worst though. So I mean in mm-hmm. the end in the end the good guys won. And uh and you know it was worth it. Just to, you know, twist the knife. And they all lived happily ever after because I forget what else, what else happened after that. Yeah, nothing else happened after that. So we're not going to talk right, about right. that. All right. So we'll move on from the Chiefs game. Uh, I think on, on both counts here, you are seeing it as a tough matchup for the Vikings just based on how things go. But the glimmer of hope for the uh, the men in purple is that uh, coverage is king and uh, the Chiefs might not be that great at it. So that might be a, a place where, where the Vikings can go and exploit that, really turn this into a shootout, and then maybe a coin flip at the end, and uh, our kicker will come in and, and maybe make a kick to win the game or something. Who knows? Crazy things can happen. <laughs> you, you know Crazy you're like at happen. the dregs of your hope when you're yeah. betting on the Vikings kicker to save you. <laughs> Outdoors at Arrowhead. Yes, 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 yes. That's what we're doing here. But let's move this thing along to, um, you know, I don't know why they're still called that, but, you know, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, one of the teams that I, I love to see lose more than any other in the entire league. Nick, help me out here. Based on how you're looking at things, how these teams match up, are the Vikings going to be able to continue on this road trip and maybe get things back on track uh, in, in the house that Jerry built? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know how to make heads or tails of the Cowboys because on the one hand, they were what a 10-6 and six team last year that uh, won a playoff game and um, played a fairly close game against the, uh, the NFC champion Rams. Um, you know, close enough. They kept it competitive. Um, and at the same time, you know, they're kind of paper tigers because they, uh, they ranked, I think 21st in DVOA last year. And, you know, they had a very poor offense. It was actually their defense that was seeming to be winning them games. And uh, we covered in the last podcast, defensive, efficiency tends not to carry over year to year nearly as well as offensive efficiency does at the same time you know you look at the roster and they've got a lot of talent there um you know amari cooper i think is a is a is a good wide receiver some people might say oh well maybe the offense was bad but then amari cooper came in and they were better actually their way to dvoa which you know heavily weights the back end of the season um wasn't significantly better than their their the first eight games dvoa so um you know sort of tough to make heads or tails of are they good or not um and maybe i'm just playing into the eight and eight memes but um they are a talented team on defense in the front seven i think especially some questions in the secondary their offensive line is obviously has the reputation they have for a reason uh ezekiel elliott um 
you know, whether or not he's lived up to his draft stock and status, that's a, that's a potent rushing attack. I think they have, especially because of their offensive line. And then they have some weapons and, you know, we've got um, old man uh, Witten coming back too. So uh, that's, that's an interesting um, matchup. I would probably say I would favor the Vikings, even though it's in Dallas, um, just because I think the, the Vikings are uh, a better coach team and, the offensive efficiency, or I should say the inefficiency on the Cowboys kind of gives me pause, but that's maybe how I take it. Although I'll say that's my least confident pick so far. I'll take it though. I'll take it. Vikings winning a big matchup on the road. Let's go. Eric, are you uh, going to fan, fan these flames of hope or are you, 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 you're pouring a wet blanket on the thing here? The Vikings are a better team than Dallas. Oh. Dallas, is at, Dallas is at home. So I would have Dallas more favored by like a point, point and a half. Can, can, can we said, just rewind the tape real quick and just where you said that part about us being better than the Cowboys? Just, just one yeah, more time. I mean, D- D- the Vikings are better at quarterback. Um, they're better at receiver. The interesting thing about Amari Cooper is the is Dallas had a basically a zero point differential after his trade, even though they went like eight and three. And, and specifically, Dallas a season ago – all but four of their games were decided by a touchdown or less, and they were they were one and three in the games that were decided by more than a touchdown. If you give them a 500 record on all the close games, they're more like a seven and nine team. Um, so, like all this stuff that Nick said about like the underlying metrics and everything, that's pretty fair, right? You beat like you know you beat Atlanta by three in a game that Atlanta has its want to do. They self destruct. You win at home against Washington with Colt McCoy at quarterback. Big freaking deal. New Orleans, you know, by the time New Orleans comes in on the next Thursday night, Breeze's arm falls off. You beat the Eagles on Rasul Douglas dropping an interception and the ball popping up to to um, uh, Amari Cooper for a touchdown in overtime. You lose to the Colts 23-0. And then, I mean, honestly, like if you think about this, they're over-under right now. It's nine and a half. It was nine or nine and a half last year. If you would have bet they're under, it would have been one of the worst beats because in the in the season finale at New York, you know, basically they started their starters when they had nothing to play for and still only won by one against the Giants, right, to finish 10 and six. So this entire thing, you know, with the Dallas Cowboys is basically this idea of they won the NFC East in a year where Philly had almost all the injuries in the world, right? And so – we're supposed to reset the clock here, give Jason Garrett another year and all that kind of stuff. To me, Dallas is just kind of an average eight and eight team. I love their under nine, nine and a half. Um, and I think relative to Minnesota, you know, we're pretty down on the Vikings. Um, but the Vikings, in my opinion, are just fundamentally better than they are. Uh, Dallas had, you know, four or five players in the top six in its position in war on defense. As Nick says, that generally progresses. So we're not expecting them to have a terrific defense uh, down the stretch. And even, you know, after that New Orleans Saints game where they won 13-10, they gave up 23, 23, 20, 35, 22, and 30 points, right? So even their defense didn't even carry to the end of 2018, let alone all the way into 2019. So I see this, you know, I see this team as a pretty average squad. And so this more like a coin flip, uh, you know, sort of going into – uh, this game in Dallas, I would give Dallas a slight advantage, um, but but just because of home field. Okay, so this one, you know, 50-50. I 
I guess, uh, Eric, I'll start with you here. Uh, what might be a matchup to really look at when you look at these teams on paper? Where would be one of the places that you see, you know, either squad having a decided advantage that potentially could uh, be exploited or, I guess, you know, cause a mismatch or, or be something that, uh, that really gave them uh, an upper hand as, as things rolled along uh, in this game? Well, I, you know, I think uh, Chidobia Wuzier starting at the other corner opposite Byron Jones. Byron Jones is a great player. Uh, he made the Pro Bowl last season, I believe, despite not having an interception the entire year. Um, he's a great – he used to play safety. They moved him back to his position that he played at UConn. He's going to probably lock down one of the positions. And then you're looking at, okay, their nickel is Anthony Brown. Their other corner is Chidobia Wuzier. They have Jordan Lewis as well which is, uh, you know, they're kind of following that script of drafting a bunch of young players. And just because that seems like that is a good tactic doesn't mean all those guys are going to end up good. So, you know, for me, it's that second corner for Dallas versus whomever ends up being that secondary target for Minnesota. Uh, I don't see Rudolph or Irv Smith or Dalvin having a great game if the guys are healthy because you got Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith starting uh, at inside, you know, at the two linebacker positions and, you know, that, that team is so stacked that Sean Lee last year had to play like basically a backup role uh, in, in sub packages and stuff like that. So, I mean, they're very strong, but I do think that much like, you know, basically all the teams the Vikings play this year, whomever is the secondary target, Diggs or Thielen, facing the secondary tar- secondary corner uh, of that team is going to be a mismatch. All right. I like it. I like it. So, uh, you know, on the road. Okay, we have, uh, you know, Casey is a tough matchup, but Dallas, you know, we're, we're in there, coin flip, which is really uh, what you're looking for in, a, in, a, in a, a hotly contested battle, you know, within the division on the road. So that's not so bad here. And now we get things moving along. We come back home. Eric, Denver Broncos, tell me how this matchup's going to go. So this, I believe, is the second lowest total, third lowest total. So the two totals when the Vikings play the Bears are their lowest of the year. Um, but this one here um, in basically in Minnesota, they're facing Denver 44 and a half is their third lowest total. I'm looking at Vic Fangio. I'm looking at that defense with you know, Chris Harris Jr., but also Vaughn Miller, uh, Bryce Callahan, the good nickel that they brought over from the Bears. Um, you know, guys like that. I'm looking at, you know, who's the starting quarterback this time of year? It could be Drew Locke. It could be uh, Joe Flacco. Um, I think Minnesota is a decided favorite in this one, basically like a minus four. If I if I really had to like be presto and say, okay, what game are the Vikings supposed to win that they're going to lose? Um, I can totally see Fangio, who's had basically the Vikings number his entire Chicago era, coming in and making this a low-scoring game, turning Minnesota over a lot, uh, and, and stealing one here at U.S. Bank Stadium. That being said, I just don't think Denver is going to be able to play offense well enough for the bike for them to really beat the Vikings. So that that's kind of where I'm at. I think Minnesota's a decided favorite here. Probably they're only the only time they're favored in this four week stretch. Okay. All right. So uh Nick, I know that uh you you think very highly of Fangio based on us uh, your comments in uh, last week's uh episode. What are your thoughts on on how this game goes? And as Eric said, will Fangio's knowledge of the Vikings and what we want to do be uh, a, a big factor in this matchup? Yeah, Fangio was a huge get for them over this offseason. Um, you know, it's not just last year where he had kind of an all-time defensive DVOA. Maybe not all-time, but it's up there with 2017 Vikings, Legion of Boob at their peak, and 2015 Broncos, too. Um, 
and but he, he he had similarly really impressive performances in San Francisco when he was there. You know, top five, I think, the three years he was there. So, and that's something you don't always see is guys who can do it with multiple squads. So mm-hmm. um, that portends well for the Broncos, I think. Um, they brought in so much talent. Uh, Bryce Callahan, who's the guy who kind of shut down Adam Thielen um, in the slot. Um, they brought in a few other guys. Um, so they they really have. Um, the potential to be a, a very scary defense. Um, obviously, they have Chris Harris, they have Von Miller, um, a couple other blue chip guys. In addition to um, you know, just kind of a not a lot of holes roster. Weird thing about the Broncos is you know they're, they're kind of the the bizarro uh, Cowboys. If the Cowboys were a ten and six team that didn't really deserve to be, then the Broncos were a six and ten team that actually ranked in the top half in DVOA and. In the top half in offensive DVOA too, and in the top five in defensive DVOA, and that's without Big Fangio. The other thing really worth mentioning is they they also nabbed Mike Munchak, who's like, um, you know, we probably don't know the names of many too many offensive line coaches, but Munchak is like the guy. Uh, so he's widely considered to be one of the best in the league. So um, that should portend improvement for their um, their run game, their offensive line. Although they were very good last year too in the run game with Philip Lindsay. Um, I, I'm not particularly scared of Joe Flacco. Um, I think that going out and acquiring Flacco was a downgrade from Case Keenum, just based on um, how much of a downward spiral Flacco has been since his Super Bowl run. Um, but what they were able to do last year and what they have been able to add on defense and in the coaching room just makes me think that going into Denver for this game, um, I, it's 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 not enough. As good as the Vikings will be, it's not enough for me to say they will beat home field advantage out. So I, I'm picking the Broncos with this one. But this game is a home game for the Vikings. Does that switch things up for you at all? Oh, it is. It is. Oh, sorry, <laughs> my bad. Then yeah, then yeah, I would say the Vikings. Um, so it, so really for this one, it's, it's close enough for you uh, that yeah. you know you think that home field will 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 be a factor in this one. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, yeah. I mean, and that's not too far off from what I said, because I think if you give the – if you're laying four points in Minnesota at home, that's basically a one, maybe a half a point. If you give U.S. Bank Stadium more than the full home field advantage, then you're basically saying they're even, which if you take stock, as Nick did, of the defenses, you know, the other thing that, that they had is Bradley Chubb, who didn't grade that well for us, but did get a lot of sacks. Um, not a lot of pressures, but a lot of sacks. Um, that's a good one. You cream Jackson comes in and plays free safety for them. Um, they, they, they already have Harris and, and Callahan, um, you know, and so they're pretty, I mean, defensively, they're probably better personnel wise than Minnesota is. And then you look at offense, um, you know, the quarterback is really the only difference. Cause you look at that Dalton riser was a lineman. I thought was the best lineman in the draft. He gets taken in the second round. He might play guard. He might play center for them. He could even play tackle. They got Jawan James in free agency. They got Noah Fant uh, in the first round of the draft. Emmanuel Sanders comes back from injury. And then they have, the, you know, the basically the Devontae Booker slash, you know, Philip Lindsay slash uh, the other guys uh, uh, that, that was struggled. Uh, Royce Freeman, you know, they got that kind of, you know, so if they catch lightning in a bottle with Flacco, you know, he kind of having a pop-up year, I sort of think of him maybe, you know, the one year Matt Hasselbeck took the Titans to nine and seven, right? Like, not sustainable, but at least he's trying to prove to the league that he's not completely washed up. Like the, they could give the Vikings some issues, um, but I would say of the and, that, and that's really what makes this entire string scary because as Vikings fans, we know that you know the, this 
this team could be coming off a two to three game losing streak. We've always sort of looked at the Bears with Chad Hutchinson or the, the Raiders with Rick Meyer or, you know, the I'm trying to think of, the Bears are always that team that beat the Vikings with crap quarterbacks. We always sort of look at that game and like, oh, well, they'll get off. This is a slump buster. And it never seems to work out that way. The Bills with Kyle Orton, like that never seems to happen that way. And this this game, even though I'm picking Minnesota, I think screams that in my face. Okay. But all I heard is that you're picking Minnesota, so uh, that's Doug all I Flutie need to hear. For the char- Doug Flutie for the Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> wow, taking us back to Flutie Flakes. Okay. All right, Mike well, we Tyson's ability in. to lose to the busterest of buster <laughs> quarterbacks was like his, his like, hit. I mean, who I'm trying to think. Chad Hutchinson beat the Vikings. Doug Flutie for Rick Meyer for the Raiders beat the Vikings. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he just, he lost to some busters, man. They were the worst. And they were just, Zimmer, to his credit, doesn't lose to crap QBs, so. I was not expecting a Rick Meyer reference on this podcast, but uh, Eric's (laughs) here, so I guess I I I should have expected. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) All right. The only uh, bad quarterback that has repeatedly beat uh, Zimmer is Trubisky. All right, well, Nick, bring us home. We're back on the road again. Yeah, so this time we go back to uh, Seattle, uh, same as last year, and face uh, Pete Carroll's Seahawks, Russell Wilson. For some reason, they always seem to beat up on us, and I don't think this will be too much of an exception. Um, I think, you know, they lost Earl Thomas, but Pete Carroll is – I think he's really gone underrated as how good of a defensive coach he is because for so long – you know, the Legion of Boom was so talented that they kind of could have run whatever they wanted coverage-wise, and um, uh, it would have worked. But now you, you're sort of seeing old creative uh, Pete Carroll come out, and it's fun to watch from a schematic standpoint because he's no longer running like the same basic cover three shell on most plays, and now he's getting kind of creative with it, um, and it's effective. And they uh, they definitely outplayed their talent uh, last year, I think, in terms of defensive efficiency. And then on, on offense efficiency, you know, they have Russell Wilson, who is consistently one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Really the only thing keeping them from being really effective is Brian Schottenheimer shooting them in the foot and insisting on running the ball consistently behind a mediocre offensive line. They're a lot better than they used to be in the in the old days of Russell Wilson running for his life every snap, but they, they still aren't the kind of offense where um, – you, you could even justify just pounding the, the, the ball down your defense's throat every play. So um, if they ever let Russell Wilson carry that team, I think they will. They added DK Metcalf, who's an intriguing um, deep threat. And, you know, Russell Wilson is so deadly with his deep ball. Um, they've got uh, an improved offensive line. Um, they uh, Tyler Lockett, I think, is a really underrated player. So and, you know, it, it kind of comes down to the head coach and the quarterback. And there, I think, um, the Seahawks are uh, – they match up favorably against the Vikings. So, um, especially on the road, I, I would take Seattle on this one. Okay. Eric, uh, I'm guessing with it being on the road and the Seahawks having the better quarterback in this matchup, uh, you are not leaning towards the Vikings in this one. My number – just like it did with Dallas, suggests that Minnesota is a better team, but home field advantage is not going to be enough to make Minnesota favorite. I have Seattle by two and a half, which means that on a neutral field, I think Minnesota would be slightly favored and probably be a pick 'em. 
but home field with Seattle is a little bit more than the normal. And, uh, you know, as you said, the thing that keeps Seattle in the conversation forever and ever is the fact that Russell Wilson's a terrific quarterback. Now, to get back onto the positive train for the Vikings, this Seattle team is not like this Seattle team is very much like the Dallas team in that they were very inefficient last year. They led the NFL in percentage of second down play in long plays that were runs. That's not a good thing. They lost, they lost three of their probably five best players in Doug Baldwin, Earl Thomas, and Frank Clark. Now, yep. they did some sharp things in the draft in terms of taking four picks and turning them into 12. So I really do like that approach there long term. But right now, what I see when I look at Seattle as a team that probably fundamentally was eight and eight last year, maybe seven and nine, luck, luck boxes into 10 and six, loses three of their best players, and is emboldened by this, this idea that the inefficient football they played last year is going to work again. But in reality, Russell Wilson was just a dynamo on third down. Minnesota, if they can, you know, if they can keep, you know, Seattle in those long yard situations, I think they're better suited than most any teams to cover uh, that the, you know, the Seattle look. If you, I'm looking at their two deep, their their three wide receivers. I mean, you got Metcalf. That's kind of an unknown as a rookie. They have David Moore as their third receiver. He made some plays last year, but he's certainly not a an established NFL player. And Tyler Lockett, who's traditionally been pretty good on the outside as a smaller player, now plays in the slot. So there's there's some uncertainty there. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, other two backs. I think they're going to try to lean on them with the lack of def- offensive efficiency that that you know implies there. So um, while they do still have a ton of talent in terms of like Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, uh, they got Ezekiel Ansa as well. I'm just not sold on Seattle, and therefore I think this game's a lot closer than people people believe. I don't know. Minnesota hasn't won in Seattle since Brad Johnson was the quarterback, so it's going to take a lot, but. Uh, I think that they have as good of a chance as they've ever had in this one. Wow. Brad Johnson. Marcus Robinson caught like 100 yards worth of passes in that game and a touchdown. My guy, Marcus. (laughs) (laughs) So this one going in, home field, giving us the lean towards Seattle. But if we're just looking at it, which team is better? It's the Vikings. So maybe this is a toss-up. Maybe this one that goes against what people are thinking. Maybe this is one you maybe want to put some money down on once the season gets going, just based on what perception is going to do for things, depending on how the teams look coming in. Uh, all right. So we have made it through uh, now three quarters of the season for this quarter. Eric, what is your record prediction for our Minnesota Vikings? I think they go one and three in these games. Uh, um, you know, Most likely it'll be Denver that win, but it could be any one of those games. Uh, and that puts them at six and six. I think, you know, just kind of a note here, whenever you're simulating seasons, whenever you're handicapping win totals and things like that, when the games happen and where matters, right? So I think the Vikings would be much more likely to win the game at Dallas and at Seattle if it wasn't in this four-game stretch. But because this four-game stretch is, you know, on balance, just brutal, I think it makes it a, a tad less likely that they win any one of those road games as if it were, as opposed to if we're isolated. That's just uh, a little bit of uh, my two cents. So I think they go one and three here, unfortunately. Okay. Nick, how about you? Where are you at with it? Yeah, I guess uh, I have them at two and two, which is, you know, I don't think of myself as too much of an optimist with this Vikings team. But, um, yeah, I think uh, the Cowboys and Broncos matchups are 
pretty favorable. One and three wouldn't surprise me. Honestly, oh and four wouldn't surprise me either. Um, Cause this is definitely the uh, toughest stretch, I think. Um, and they're not out of it yet either, but um, yeah, I do think they'll be able to eke out at least a win, maybe two. All right. Yeah. So you have them at seven and five overall. And, and, and quite honestly, I feel like oh, if that's where we're at, Actually, either record, six and six, seven and five, I feel like, you know, people likely won't be happy about it because, you know, we're not undefeated. But I feel like, you know, going into the final quarter of the season, uh, everything is still on the line for the team at that point. And uh, it's it's a place that uh, we should be happy to be. So three, three of the next three of the next four at home. The road game is at Los Angeles Chargers, which is really not a road game for most NFL teams. So if they can come in you know, and honestly steal one of those three, one of those four games here and end up at seven and five. I think it looks really good for them to go 10 and six and make the playoffs. So, you know, this is a huge stretch, but honestly, like the subsequent stretch, you look at the teams, you know, Green Bay, Chicago, Los Angeles, there's a pretty big chance that one of those teams isn't as good as we think they are. And three of those four games are at home. All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, yeah, we're three-fourths of the way there. We'll wrap up this, the season preview next week. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all, listeners. Uh, this has been an awesome first week for us over at Daily Norseman. Thank you for uh, sticking with us. Thank you to the new listeners who have joined on. And, uh, yeah, this is just the beginning. We uh, will keep this thing going for you here as the season rolls along. Eric, Nick, as always, thanks for coming on and recording. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. 